All right, welcome to Latter-day Conversations podcast. This is a new podcast. Um, I am Mike Russell. And I am Cade Hawks. And we are both pretty new at this, so you guys are going to get to hear us experiencing this raw and learning how to handle these ropes of podcasting together. Uh, We are somewhat newly acquainted friends who have a common interest especially with uh, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a lot of topics inside and out of the church. And as we got to chatting um, and with my interest in podcasts, I suggested we get something together and start doing a podcast and Cade is all on board. So we're excited to do this. Yeah, we're super excited. And so we do apologize in advance if you do hear some thumbs twiddling a little bit more. Uh, These first couple episodes should be a lot of fun. We're really excited to be here. But ultimately, we really hope that you can gain some insights from the things that we end up discussing. Yeah, we've got, we brainstormed together and got a few questions and topics going. And I think we'll have plenty of good meaty material to get through. And so some of it might seem light and some of it uh, certainly not. But uh, yeah, we hope that, you know, this won't be merely entertaining, but it will be faith building too but kind of give you that nice conversational tone between two people uh, who hopefully you can resonate with or relate to in some ways. So yeah, anything else you want to say in introductions, Cade? Um, That's about it. I'll I'll actually, I'll say a little bit about myself. So my name is Cade Hawks. I am from Syracuse, Utah, uh, sitting at Weber State University right now. I served a full-time mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in baton rouge louisiana where i gained a couple of pounds and learned of my uh deep and faithful love for popped corn i believe it to be a celestial food that will be with us for quite some time but uh, i'm just really happy to be here and excited to see kind of where this goes wow i didn't know that love uh, for popcorn and that was gained in louisiana huh I had probably a bag of popcorn almost every single night. <laughs> yeah, that's not exclusive to Louisiana. That was just a newfound love there, huh? It was. It, it definitely was. Not not the healthiest uh, with the amount of butter and stuff I put on top, but it definitely kept me going through the days. So, Yeah, I, I almost jumped the gun and didn't do introduction. Sorry about that, but thanks for reminding me. Um, yeah. Um, grew up right next door to Cade. I served a mission next door to him as well. So I grew up in West Point, Utah. I'm living here in Roy now. We're just in, here in northern Utah, and uh, I served a mission in Houston, Texas, so right by Louisiana there. Got a good taste of the southern food, southern people, and a lot of other uh, diverse experiences, which were really great. And uh, yeah, I just finished school and um, got my job going, got uh, two kids, and the family started and stuff. So we're both pretty young guys, so um, I don't know what our target audience is. I guess just whoever wants to listen to us. But uh, <laughs> I think we'll have some interesting conversations. That <laughs> yeah, should be fun. Okay. Um, all right. Should we just go ahead with uh, some of the questions we wanted to hit on today? Yeah, let's shoot for it. Okay. I'll, I'll read the first one. Is church okay. supposed to be fun, entertaining, and enjoyable or not? Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. I will say, at least in my opinion, I think that church should be fun and it should be entertaining and it should be enjoyable. Uh, but that being said, I don't necessarily think that that should be the purpose of why you go to church. If right. That makes sense. Yeah, it reminds me when you're saying fun and entertaining, enjoyable, like those are good things, but it reminds me of the mega churches. I don't know if you saw this in Louisiana, but in Houston, <laughs> man, they had like the giant churches like Joel Osteen. Um, I think he he actually overtook, it used to be like a basketball stadium or something. And then he turned oh, wow. it into a church. They got like laser shows, rock bands. They got a Starbucks in the church. So they got the uh, the good old dunk cam for baptisms and <laughs> yeah man take uh, the fun church to a whole new level so okay so yeah it, it can be fun but that's that's not the purpose what you think yeah yeah I, I mean I I don't know my mind goes to kind of uh, in the scriptures you know when Nephi kind of talks about how he delights in, in the things of God and stuff like that and and when I think of those kind of experiences of apostles of old and even in our day today. I don't think of people going out and and partying hard, listening to rock music. You know, I don't see 
Jesus and his apostles necessarily being as dry as they kind of portray in some of the movies, I think. But, mm. but, but I think that it was exciting in the sense of how spiritual it was. It was exciting in the sense that they were learning new things and, and growing in their faith and learning how to repent. And they were applying those principles in everyday conversations through their meetings that they had through the week and through their one-on-one conversations as well. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of growth involved there. Like, uh, I guess there's a balance between the super serious kind of Pharisaic attitude and the uh, just go into a rock concert, like I was mentioning, uh, right. with some of those mega churches. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know. And I think it's a hard line, a hard balance to find. Because I, I know for me, I, I would really enjoy a little bit more more serious so you can delve into some more spiritualized things if that makes sense you know i think you know when you're a little bit too light and frivolous with things that uh, you can kind of lose the gravity of it uh, but i also think you know you also have to be careful to not be to an extent like you mentioned to become in a sense pharisaical right yeah and so that, that that's the balance where i think it's really difficult to find and, and i don't know even what a good well I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that, I guess, and how to find a good balance between those two? Yeah, I, I don't know, because I, I agree with you. Like, part of me craves these ritual and this super serious worship style. You know, like, uh, this didn't appeal to me when I was a kid, but as I've grown up and become a man, I don't know why, but I'm kind of drawn more to those rituals, and I kind of envy Catholics and um, some of those more ritualistic churches that, you know, they got the candles and the incense and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. it, it almost makes me feel like ours is easy to become casual. And uh, I, I think it's a struggle to know, you know, how do I worship God? Because that's that's where my thoughts went this week as I was thinking about this question. Because um, I let's let me see if I can follow my train of thought. I started um, by thinking about, you know, the problem, which is. Sometimes I'm sitting at church and the speaker's kind of boring. You know, the organ is playing way too slow. And <laughs> it's just like, you know, sometimes I'm like, man, I'd rather just get out my phone. And uh, this church meeting's not fun. But uh, I was kind of got a slap in the face um, by, it was Dallin H. Oaks in the last conference. I don't know if you remember his talk, but he was quote, this is what the quote says. We do not go to Sabbath meetings to be entertained or even solely to be instructed. We go to worship the Lord. So that was like, ooh, because I know I'd had those conversations with my wife where I'd complained about those things. And she kind of looked at me during that talk. And I was like, yeah, that was that was for me. But uh, yeah, we go to worship the Lord. That's my problem in this, you know, modern Western day and age. How do you worship? I think that maybe the ancients had that down better. So that's kind of my question where, where it led me. You know, that's, that's a really good point. I actually, I love those thoughts. And I think it's, I think it's really tough. I think that, I mean, just going through just quick brainstorm, I think of particularly the Israelites, right? Where they became very particular about the law and, and, uh, and let me try to follow my train of thought a little bit and get back to kind of where you were at. Um, but, but, you know, they, they got very strict and it, it evolved until you, you have this pharisaical order essentially right where mm-hmm. it's a little bit too much and and i've experienced the exact same thing though is is where i've gone the opposite direction sometimes i become a little bit more casual because i mean i mean honestly you, you do get bored at church sometimes mm-hmm. that's just the fact of life nowadays it seems like and and i i'll, I'll pose this at least i think that we ought to have more enjoyable church meetings but we also ought to remember why we go to church, right? If my entire sole purpose of going to church, and this is where I think a lot of people within the church, especially in like the Utah culture, uh, fall into a little bit of fault in the sense of they go to church specifically because it's either culturally acceptable, because that's mm-hmm. what everyone does here, or because that's just what you do for your social networks, right? right. And, and if that's your purpose of going to church, then that's wrong. But I don't think that it ought to be as boring as it is at times. And, and, and that's kind of a hard balance because we're all these fallen people trying to repent and do the best we can. And so you have to take each one with a grain of salt. But I think the biggest thing that we can do, at least, is be the change in ourselves, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So if, you know, if Elder's Quorum is a little bit dry or boring, well, maybe make a comment or two and, 
and try to spice things up without being a little bit, you know, without being that guy in elders corn or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think we underestimate the value, the difference we can make. Cause you know, you're like, I'm just one person, but I know for me, I'm an outspoken person and I'll go in and maybe I'll appear, you know, kind of off the wall or disagreeable or um, random, but I will, I will really try to spice things up and it makes a big difference in the, in the class. And uh, so, yeah, you can certainly make a difference. I think, the mentality switch, though, that you're suggesting is huge. Uh, for me, this is kind of what my takeaway was from that general conference talk. Uh, you know, I was going with this feed me mentality. Like, you know, mm-hmm. come, I'm coming here, and this is, you know, perfect for our culture today. We're just, like, all about being fed. Turn on YouTube. <laughs> turn, like, just feed me, feed me. As I eat um, my French fries. <laughs> yeah, popcorn, man. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and... Uh, it's not about that. It's, uh, you know, it's more of an outward expression. It says that quote, we go to worship the Lord, you know, giving comments. How, how do you worship the Lord? Maybe in your thoughts and your prayers while you're taking the sacrament, while you're singing the songs, actually sing, you know, even if you don't, you're not a good singer. And I don't know what that worship's going to look like, but it's, it's a total mentality switch where you're, you're not saying feed me. You're saying, here's right. what I have to offer. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I love that. And I, and I think another point, just a quick one, is uh, I think if if you're, you know, because you felt this way where you go to church and you're bored, right? Mm-hmm. I felt that way. And, I, and I've learned just, just because I'm feeling that way doesn't mean that I'm the only one. There, there's tons of people, I think, that feel that same way. I mean, even just in, in making new friends at church, I've learned that there's a lot of people that struggle with, I think, this exact same thing. And so what do you really do? Because you need some spiritual nourishment, you know? And, and sure, you can go and, and you can try to find those little nuggets and, and you will find them if you do look for them. And I, I believe that firmly because I found them myself. Some weeks surely are a little bit more dry than others, I think. But um, I, I'm a believer that you can worship not only within the church building in your sacrament meetings as well. So, for example, if I'm going to be spiritually fed with a gallon of water and they only bring a thimble of water to fill up my gallon tank or whatever you want to however you want to analyze it right mm-hmm. um there's more than just those two hours that i can fill it up with if that makes mm. sense and, and and whether that's through I, i've done meetings with other friends where we've met together and and just i mean the gospel it's fun to talk about it really is it's exciting yeah. and it's entertaining and and i think when we make it so we can do it in, in groups. We can do it for ourselves, but it, it really is a lot easier and more fun when you can find others like that. And so the, the way to do that, in my opinion, is just opening your voice, talking to a few people, making a few friends, inviting them to a FHE or, or a gospel study group or whatever the heck you want to do. But there's more than just the, the myopic views and ways that we often go about doing things like saying, oh, well, I have to learn something within this 30 minute talk and sacrament meeting. And that, yeah. that, that's just kind of my two cents. Yeah, I like that, man. I can't even remember. I, I know I was, it was resonating with me while you're talking uh, each thing. But yeah, I totally agree with you. It's, uh, and it doesn't have to be the cheesy. I think when we, when we think of someone who's like excited to talk about the gospel, we just imagine this kind of, <laughs> it's like the district, you know, that we watch. <laughs> if no one knows what those are, they're these like cheesy missionary videos. And, you know, props to those missionaries. They did a good job. But it did come off robotic. And I think that's what we think of like, what do you, what do you think about Joseph Smith's first prayer? You know, it's like, that's not how we talk. But <laughs> my conversation right now, or I don't know, like this last Sunday, I missed my meeting after church because. After church, one of the guys in the ward, uh, one of my friends there, um, he was showing me his new study, Book of Mormon, he got. And another thing he was uh, contributing to this, like, uh, New Testament that's coming out uh, that he's, contrib- or he's, like, collaborating with this other guy to produce it. Anyway, we were talking about it, and we just went off on a tangent, and we were talking so long, both of our wives called us on our phones and had to, you know, get us to be. <laughs> but, you know, those kind of things can happen, and it doesn't even have yeah. to and it could be just you know something somewhat related to a gospel effort in your life and so there are natural ways to do it for sure yeah yeah amen i agree 100 percent. so well, i don't know if we we got the answer on that one but i think it does come down to you work on yourself uh you you try to 
make this an outward kind of expression and time of giving and uh, contributing, offering yourself to God, not so much as I'm coming just to be fed passively while I sit here, you know? Right. Yeah, I, I like that. It's an active process. Uh, agent to act, not to be acted upon. So yeah. I guess, and in, in more to get back to the, the particular question, is the church supposed to be fun and entertaining and enjoyable? That, that's not the purpose of church, no. Mm-hmm. But I think you should have fun doing it. That, yeah. that's, that's my answer. And uh, I know you just uh, hit the nail on the head there, so um, I hate to dilute that at all. But I think it's kind of like this analogy of the gym. Is the gym fun, entertaining, enjoyable? Well, that's not the point of the gym, but it can be. Mm. Uh, but it, it's for growth. You know, you go to the gym to grow and to build yourself and to exercise. And so, um, yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. But, um, yeah, I think that analogy has some some application. That's I love that analogy. It, just, it literally just made me think of all, I mean, just a couple of ways that that applies. But, but it's true, and I think at least one little fragment of that analogy is that sometimes you have to learn to love it. You know, sometimes mm. you you're, you might not be looking forward to a particular aspect of it, but it will improve you and it will make you a better person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's way more to go there. You're almost uh, making me open another can of worms, but I'll hold back. <laughs> Sorry. So I can tangent pretty bad. So <laughs> I don't know if we'll be able to stay on track, but man, OK, we've gotten uh, quite a bit on that that topic. That's good. We're we're kind of wondering if, you know, these questions we get through in like five minutes or uh, or maybe five hours in our case. But uh, I guess that's good to err on the side of having more to say than too little. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that any day. So cool. All right. Well, do you want to ask our second question? We'll get into that topic. Sure. The uh, next question we have is why do the apostles and prophets seem to teach basic, simple stuff like how to be nice? instead of giving super deep sermons. Okay, so I'll give my two cents to get us started on this one. Um, you kind of mentioned this in one of your comments on the last topic, but you like the the meat, the deep doctrine stuff. Uh, you're really passionate and curious about that, as am I. And so I really crave that stuff. And sometimes it's a bit of a letdown that we don't have you know, at least in general conferences and stuff, these huge doctrinal discourses um, where some other sects of Christianity seem to really emphasize that. And they've got these guys with their doctorates that went to all the seminaries and postgraduate studies and no Hebrew and all this stuff. And they're offering these elaborate sermons and interpretations on um, all of Christ's miracles and all this stuff that's awesome. You know, I, I, I can eat that up and I love it. Um, and I think there's a, a really big place for that in the gospel. But then when you come to our churches, a lot of times when you go to general conference and stuff, they're teaching the basic stuff uh, like, you know, just being kind and forgiveness and uh, baptism and having faith. And and sometimes I've thought to myself, man, I wish that we we could go into the deep and they could be talking about Kolob and um, (laughs) I don't know what, you know, divine (laughs) development, all this other stuff. But I think. You know, they're apt to be teaching us what what uh, they're teaching because it's applicable. And when you stick by the the fruit, the I guess the basics, um, that's really what we need the most of. I think maybe the best way to explain it. And I know I've told you this before, Cade, but uh, I heard one guy on a podcast and I'm not ashamed to throw any plugs in here, but uh, Gary Miller from Narrow Gate podcast. Um, I was listening to him once and he was going off about how important it is to treat supplemental information as supplemental and the basics and fundamental information as fundamental. So, you know, if you're in the gym working out, sorry to use the gym analogy again, I'm not a huge gym bro. Like you guys may think (laughs) my voice, 250 pounds of pure solid muscle. Right. (laughs) But um, yeah, going off that gym analogy, you know, those guys supplement, but if they only did supplements and they didn't eat, you know, the basic food groups, they would not be able to be as strong as they were or healthy. You can't just fill up on spices and supplements. You got to have the basics. And so, you know, same as with us, we got to be reading the scriptures. We got to be repenting every day. We got to have faith before we can talk about the deep things or even try to understand those. So that's my start. That's kind of a long ramble, but those are some of my thoughts on this topic. Okay. I, I really like that. That's, 
a really good point. That actually brings to mind um, just a couple of, I mean, in Doctrine and Covenants and I'm sure elsewhere, but I do remember specifically, I think it's DNC chapter six, I want to say, but, but essentially it says multiple times, I know in Doctrine and Covenants about how uh, especially the elders are to preach nothing but faith and repentance unto this generation, mm. something along those lines, right? Um, and I think that that's a super important commandment that the Lord's given us, you know, to, to leave the, the mysteries alone to some extent, which I think we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later. And, but the, the most important things in life and essentially the entire gospel of Jesus Christ lies so heavily upon faith and repentance. And, and you know, when we talk about it, I think we often talk about it in a very uh, superficial kind of a way. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that, that is great for most people, right? That it really is. It works for just about everyone, um, to a very surface level at least. But I, I, I really think that through that command, right, you can't, you can't really learn about baptism and understand baptism to the full extent that you ought to until you understand that baptism is the first fruits of repentance and that repentance only comes from your faith in Jesus Christ. Right. And, and so on and so forth. Right. And so I think as, as, we recognize that these principles are uh, intertwined in literally any and everything that we do in the gospel setting and in life, that that's why I think to some extent, at least, we've gone out and uh, the the apostles, particularly and prophets, have spoken pretty consistently in the past few decades about these things. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to kind of confirm what you're saying it seems like they've even gotten simpler in the last you know 50 years than the previous i I don't know what you think like back when you know i guess even in the 80s and 70s with bruce r mcconkey or joseph fielding smith they they kind of did get into some of that deep stuff but it seems like the the church um apostles and stuff have kind of backed away and brought it to basics a lot yeah and i've noticed that a lot too um and and this is this is 100 percent the doctrine of Cade. i'll say that but I, i think at least a part of the reason why they might do a lot of that, because they, they did speak a little bit more prominently about some of the deeper doctrines. I mean, Joseph Smith did, Brigham Young did, all the way up to, I mean, the 70s especially. They had some pretty passionate stuff from the 70s to 80s even, which is only a few decades ago. Um, but I, I, I have noticed, at least from my studies and, and listening to conference talks and stuff, that they have died it down a little bit. And I think there's a few reasons. I think, one, we have gotten in trouble in the past, right? Some prophets and some apostles have said things as though they were doctrine and eternal truth revealed from heaven, while Mm -hmm. it was personal speculation to some extent. Sure, sure, very inspired men who have pondered and thought a lot about the subject, nevertheless, not necessarily revealed from heaven, if that makes sense. Right. Um, and And I think we have seen some areas where we, we, we really, I mean, the church doesn't really make positions on church doctrine on most things anymore like we used to. I mean, you go back to 1950 and, and we had pretty firm belief on just about everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and nowadays, a lot of those are a little bit more open to interpretation because we haven't had those revealed from God per, per se. Would be. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like uh, I mean the the stuff we need to know. I think we do know, and that's why maybe we have they haven't had to expound a lot of that stuff because they're like it's there, you know. And when when controversial questions come up, they're like, you know, this it's the same answer that's already there, so nothing to add to it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of it. Um, so here's a question: While you were talking, that this thought came up. Do you think that um, these topics, while being basic and simple, have more kind of practical value in our lives than some of these other deep doctrine discourses that they could be giving. You know, like these ones have actual practical uh, things we can put into place from our lives. Um, I don't know. Does the deep stuff like really change you as much? You know, does it drive righteous behavior as much as some of these simple doctrines? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I I, I, I remember the quote from... Um, Elder, oh, who was it? Uh, President Packer is who it was, that along the lines of, you know, true doctrine understood changes behavior more than the study of behavior changes behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think often that doctrine really is, I mean, the fundamentals. I mean, 
because here's the thing, I think. You, we can get in and we can discuss, I mean, the, the deep things of Kolob. We can talk about the millennium and how cool all these awesome things are going to be, right? When Christ returns and reigns in millennial glory and, and right. you know, the saints are lifted up in the sky. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of really cool stuff. But does, does that change as much of who I can be than me knowing that I am a sinner and that Jesus Christ is the only way? that I can be saved and be cleansed from my sin through faith in him and repentance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause it, it reminds me of the, um, the study of philosophy or just philosophy in general. Cause, uh, you know, I was, while I was in school, I got into philosophy a lot and I got a lot of books, all the Socrates up to Immanuel Kant and, you know, all that fancy stuff and got into it. And it is really interesting, but <laughs> one of the disappointments of philosophy is not only its inability to, to really answer most of the questions that it tries to answer, but also uh-huh. that it becomes like idle speculation. You know, it's just, it's like, it almost seems pointless to some degree. I mean, it, it has its place for sure, but, um, you know, after a while, you just end up being a philosopher, smoking a pipe, sitting on a couch, or in our case, <laughs> eating popcorn, sitting on a couch. And, uh, you know, God doesn't want us to be, um, you know, fat slob sitting on the couch who understand all right. about Kolob. He'd rather have us be people who don't understand so much of the deep stuff, but we know enough to to put into practice that and, you know, to be super spiritually fit. Because I don't think you have to, man, I'm using this uh, working out analogy <laughs> so much, but to be you, You've been exercising strong, a lot this week? or <laughs> I'm trying to make a point here. No, <laughs> no but uh, yeah, I don't know why, man. It's just so fitting. Uh, but to be a super buff, you know, guy or be in shape, buff woman or whatever, uh, you don't have to know really complicated stuff. You actually, if you just go running every day or do tons of push-ups, you'll get pretty fit, you know? So I yeah. think that's how it is with the gospel. And if you just speculate too long, I think it just detracts and kind of has a diminishing return. Yeah. And I, and I think you've had it. I mean, I, I don't think I can say it any better than you are, but I will reiterate it at least to for some emphasis at very least um in that you've already talked about this in the last question too but the whole purpose of the gospel is is active it's it's not to become passive it's not to be the stationary bicycle where you don't ever actually go anywhere or become anything you know it's mm-hmm. it's a gospel of becoming like god that's the entire purpose right, right. and it's kind of hard to do that when all you ever do is read now, surely knowledge and intelligence and whosoever gaineth more in this life than another by his diligence will have more uh, in the world to come and, and so much more will be his advantage mm-hmm. or whatever it is, right? But at the same time, what good is knowledge if it's not applied, right? Right. Yeah, man, I think you hit it right on the head. And um, one other aspect to this that I would hit on real fast is, um, man, if it doesn't escape me, um, you know what? I think it did. It probably wasn't important. Anyway, I'm pretty satisfied with uh, the comments on that and where we where we arrived at the end. So, any other things you wanted to say on that? Um. Oh yeah, just one quick little side thought. If you're alright with that, might take yeah. a second. Okay. Um, I don't know. Just another quick thought I've had just about that is I think along with the importance of that, I think at the same time. Um, I guess at least reading through the revelations that Joseph Smith received over and over again, he, you know, the amount of revelations that he just put out was, it was insane. It was like fast food revelations, you know, someone Mm. would go up to him and be like, Hey, you know, I, I'm looking to join the church or, you know, God's commanded me to obey any revelation that comes from your word, your mouth, or what what we have revealed about this or whatever it is, you know, and, and he'd reveal something about it. And I think that in a real sense, and this is my personal belief, but I think that our faith is not the same faith that it ought to be amongst the generality of the church, per se. And because what do you of mean that, by that? Uh, in in the sense that I think God reveals particular things amongst the faithful, right? Everything is always conditioned upon faith, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's a, a verse. Let me find it. Give me two seconds. I think. Yeah. I was reading it earlier today, actually. That's why it comes to mind. But uh, it's Doctrine and Covenants 35, and it just says that, And the time speedily cometh that great things are to be shown forth unto the children of men. But without faith shall not anything be shown forth except desolation upon Babylon, the same which all nations have drunk of the wine of her fornication. But, mm. but, but 
and that's the fact with everything. I mean, you know, miracles come from faith. Everything stems from faith. And, and that kind of gets back to the importance of faith, right? And there's the reason why they're reiterating it, right? Lord, increase our faith. That, that's the whole purpose of the gospel is to increase in faith and to repent so that we're cleansed and at one with God, essentially. And um, I, I think that some of the reason why we haven't received such great things, at least amongst the generality of the church, is because we don't have the faith that I think we should or could. You know, I don't, I don't think that the generality of the church have the kind of faith to go and, and, and genuinely command in the name of God to do things as a mm -hmm. general rule. You know, I don't think that we have the kind of faith where we know how to ask God and to receive answers particularly well, as, as well as we ought to at least, or could, right? That, that, like President, uh, or, or I guess Elder Uchtdorf now, uh, spoke a few, probably 2008-ish, I guess, but but he has a talk about living beneath our privileges. And I think in that sense, that because of our faith is not as great as it could be or should be, we don't enjoy the same privileges of perhaps those open discourses that really are awesome and inspiring. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I think you know, to answer the question of why we lack the faith, I don't know. Um, there could be lots of things. I mean, weak times make weak men and hard times make strong men. I don't know if it's that kind of thing. You know, we, we have very padded lives. We live in luxury. And I think sometimes we can mistakenly think that we don't need God as much or we don't feel desperate. And because of that, uh, we just, we don't ask for these giant miracles. We don't need them. You know, is that, is that yeah. where we've come to? Do we, do we feel like we don't really need God as much? We don't need the miracles. And I don't know, that's a, not exactly, that's more of, you know, trying to answer the question that you, you didn't ask for an answer for, but uh, yeah, I think we, we do lack the faith because we got to learn line upon line and we got to apply the first principles before we can build on them. Yeah. Amen. It's hard to learn calculus when you don't understand how to do multiplication, right? Right. Even if you do understand multiplication. <laughs> but, uh, so I remembered my unimportant uh, thought that uh, I forgot earlier. And it's, okay. it's a different uh, uh, topic. But I was thinking when you do kind of get caught up in the deep doctrine stuff, that almost becomes a, a crutch that you can lean on instead of faith. You know what I mean? Like you can start basing your testimony on that. Um, you know, you have that one doctrine and you're like, oh, I, this proof of the Book of Mormon, uh, you know, this archaeological discover, discovery happened. And you mm -hmm. lean on that so hard and you think you have a testimony that will never break. And then, you know, you find out that discovery was flawed or some other doubt comes up and all of a sudden you, you lost your testimony. And also as a missionary, you probably experienced this. Um, sometimes as missionaries, when we go out there and we're trying to teach people, you can lean upon your own understanding and your own um, like, you know, catalog understanding of the scriptures to pull out all these things. And you, you know, you get really smart, at least you, you think. And if you rely on that to try to convert someone, instead of just bringing it back to the basics, letting the spirit do the, you know, the talking, uh, yeah. it turns into a big struggle and often just turns people off. So, man, the, the basics is what we really need. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a really good point. I, I love that. I think that sometimes you can get a little caught up. I know I, I've definitely got caught up a little bit more than probably I ought to in, in some of the things. And, and you can start recognizing that your testimony is becoming built upon a sandy foundation rather than a solid foundation, right? A sure one um, built with faith and, and repentance and revelation, right? Um, that's, yeah, I, I love that. I really do. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? That is actually a a really good segue to the next topic, but um, I don't, before I jump into it, um, did you have anything else to say on this one? That, That's exactly where I was heading, actually. Okay, yeah, that, that was interesting. I don't know if you were intentionally doing that or not, but I'm like, hey, here we go. <laughs> so um, here's the next question. I'll let you uh, start this time, but should members research anti-Mormon stuff or not? <laughs> okay, so this is this one was... the the one I was excited to talk about just because I didn't know exactly where we go with it. So yeah. um, I think that members shouldn't necessarily avoid it like the plague, but we ought to be careful with it. Now, let me just put it this way. I, I, I think that 
you should always consider the source of your information, right? You don't want to be drinking from, from poisoned or, or muddy waters, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think especially over the last few years, we've really recognized that with media and, and everything going on nowadays. I mean, there's so many sources of information. It's, it's, it's become common for most people to recognize, hey, not every source is reliable, mm-hmm. right? So I, I, think, um, I think your purpose probably should not be to go out and read anti-Mormon stuff and to just delve into the depth of, of stuff that it'll make you feel like garbage. I, I guarantee it. You know, I mean, it, it really can have an effect on you. That being said, I don't think you should necessarily shy away from it either. Um, in the sense that I, one of my favorite scriptures is by Paul in first Thessalonians. And he says, you know, prove all things and hold fast that which is good. So mm-hmm. I think you find what's good and you hold on to that. Right. I think it's, I think it's a good thing to have genuine questions whether it be about a particular verse in the Book of Mormon and its translation, whether it be about the facsimiles and the Pearl of Great Price, whether it be about whatever the heck it is, it is fine and it is a good thing to have questions. Now, it is also a good thing to prove all things and to hold fast to that which is good, right? That you you, you should be able to go out to study, to ponder, to, to find questions. If you don't have them, that's fine, I guess. But, but remember your source, right? Kind of go back to what we talked about in this last question. Don't, don't make these secondary things, these secondary questions, overshadow the primary questions, if that makes sense. Don't, don't mm-hmm. let polygamy outshine the importance of Joseph Smith being a prophet. Because when you ask about polygamy, your blacks and the priesthood, or, or whatever the topic might be, you're really asking a primary question. You're asking, well, was Joseph Smith a prophet of God when, when he did this? Was Brigham Young a prophet of God? Is the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints God's kingdom? Is Jesus the Christ? Is, does God really live? Right? Those are the questions you're really asking. Um, hmm. And sorry, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit. I'll give you no, a, no, go on. But, um, yeah, man, I, yeah, I agree with you. It's it's amazing how everything can be simplified so much and just come back to the basics. Um, even though that's hard for some, you know, they, they kind of want to hang out there on these, these limbs and these tangents and, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing though. I think there is this big balance of, um, how do you provide a, a sound, uh, resolve, I guess, like a solid understanding behind the doctrines you believe in so you can support them. So if someone challenges you on them, you can provide a strong response, you know, cause, Prophets since the beginning have proved that they all can do that. You know, when they're challenged, they can stand ground. They can withstand all their words, as the scriptures say. Um, and I don't think that means necessarily like Bible bashing, like we think, where you see some YouTube video of, you know, I just pwned this guy with the Bible bashing. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. But uh, we should be able to support our beliefs, certainly, uh, and give a, a solid uh, reason behind them. But at the same time, yeah, how do you deal with that when people make these accusations and uh, especially anti-Mormon as we'll call it, I don't know if we call it anti-Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints now. But, <laughs> uh, Probably something like that. I heard of the new acronym. <laughs> yeah, but uh, man, it's a hard one because uh, this even happened recently. The other day, um, I was, I love chiasmas in the Book of Mormon, those poems, the structures that, you know, they're parallel and they reverse each other. They're really cool. Yeah. And uh, somehow I stumbled upon some anti-Mormon stuff of how they kind of give a defense against that. And they, they bring up this other work, um, this other book that also has some chiasmas in it that was just uh, written by a guy that was kind of in the same time as Joseph Smith. And it seems like he just kind of stumbled upon making them by accident. And so their case was just saying, you know, these can happen on accident. And anyway, I won't get into all that and what, what my thoughts are on it. But the point was I had kind of read some of this and I was talking to my wife and she was telling me like, you know, why I don't see a purpose of ever looking up anti-Mormon stuff. And I was hmm. trying to think about it. And I'm like, huh, I'm like, well, you got to give a solid response because, you know, otherwise these, the internet's just going to be full of all these accusations, most of them. totally unfounded and they're going to lead people astray and so you got to have some of it but uh man i don't know and then they're like devoted organizations like uh, the fair fair mormon or whatever they're called now that are apologetic groups that specifically their purpose is to address all of these 
concerns concerns and accusations and stuff. So I don't know. I'm just stirring the pot here. I'm not really answering the question. I I like it. You you helped me clear my mind a little bit. I appreciate it actually. Um, Along that same train of thought, I think that uh, particularly the members of the church, at least we, we ought to be defenders of our faith. You know, we ought to know what we believe. I don't, I'll, I'll never apologize for having read and learned too much. Okay, mm. that, that'll never be something I'll, I'll apologize for. Now, can you get carried away? Sure, and that's that's what I'll apologize for. But but I I'm adamant at least that we should know what we believe. We should know that you know. I mean, I, I just remember personal experience. You know, I go on my mission and I I recognized how little I really knew. Like I I did not know the difference between Paul and Peter. Like genuinely, I, you could have confused right. the two with me. Um and since then I've, I've learned quite a bit more right from church history to, to doctrinal uh, declarations made throughout church history and and mm-hmm. various other things but but i think that it's a good thing to know what you believe it's a good thing to know what was taught and what is taught today i i think that that's a good thing now when it comes to anti-mormon stuff i think some of those questions are genuine from people who are somewhat genuine i I genuinely believe that i think i have at least the the hope that some of those people are just genuinely confused or have real concerns right i think that's okay and that's where i think it's it's good to read these things it's good to to ask questions that's i mean without questions this whole restoration wouldn't have happened you know without Mm -hmm. questions we never would learn anything about anything ever and so i think that we we shouldn't necessarily dump into the garbage pit and expect to find diamonds, but we can find insightful things as we do delve through it, at least on our principles and our beliefs. Um, and I, I don't know what one I do. I remember. So I, I read the, uh, the biography of uh, Elder McConkie written by his son, Joseph Fielding McConkie. And mm. I, I just remember in one of the parts, he talks about to, to get him a little bit fired up to write some of his sermons, he would read through some anti-Mormon literature. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce R. McConkie would? Yeah, it, w- it would fire him up a little bit and make him wow. a little bit more passionate, <laughs> which I, I think is fairly obvious when you listen to any of anything he ever said. <laughs> And, 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 I, and I'm try- I, just, I, I try to say that in a way to show that it can be good. It, it, uh-huh. it can be used in a way that can be good. Um, you can benefit from asking questions and reading other people's questions. But I think going back to what we've talked about before, remember what is primary is primary and what is secondary is secondary. Um, there's a, a great talk uh, called, I, I think it's called Stand Forever by Elder Cornbridge. It's a BYU talk. But he goes over that very, very eloquently. So if, if you want to listen to that, that's what I would recommend. Oh, cool. Yeah, I haven't heard that, I don't think. So um, you said something that uh, was right on my mind, and it was it helped me formulate a thought. You're talking about the genuineness of people or the concerns. And that's something that I want to talk about a little bit because um, I was formulating this thought. Because I was reminded on my mission that, you know, I think I learned the most about the atonement after meeting with a Muslim guy. Hmm. And the reason why is because he... Uh, he was a genuine guy. I mean, we, he let us into his house. His wife gave us this good food and he was so polite. And I think he was a lawyer. So he, he was well-learned. Um, he knew his books. He knew the Bible probably better than I did. And he was making the case of, you know, well, why does there need to be a Christ? Why would God um, crucify his son? That doesn't make sense. If he has all power, just let him snap his fingers and that will forgive sin. You know, he doesn't need to bring in this external party. And anyway, he was throwing all these questions out and I appreciated it. Cause I was like, yeah, you know what? And I, I gave some answers and I bore my testimony there. But afterward, I wrote down those questions. And um, since they were genuine, I think it allowed for a platform um, to grow off of that and for my my testimony of the atonement to be, you know, just totally reformed and way better than it was before. And that was a huge deal for me. Um, I think it was kind of the, when the the Christian testimony clicked within me of why we need Christ. And so that was, that was a big deal. Um, but on the other hand, I will say that there are a few things in my life that uh, instances 
where I have felt what I would refer to as the opposite of the Holy Ghost or the opposite of the Spirit. Just mm. feels like pure like darkness. And that is one in some scary movies that I watched when I was a dumb teenager that were just <laughs> demonic. <laughs> and then um, two, when I am looking up, as some instances when I've looked up anti-Mormon stuff, where you know the intention is just to slander and to be dishonest and to um, drive people away from Christ. You know, that is the intention. It is not genuine questions. They're not sincere. It, it is just like darkness. And I think that is Satan's work. And that's where I would draw the line. That's where I'd say, you know, you got to be very careful about what your intention is and what the author's intention is. Um, so there's stuff out there. You know, there's the popular one is the CES letter where a guy had some concerns. I think a lot of them were sincere and he mm -hmm. just kind of you know, clumped together all of the most popular anti-Mormon stuff and put it in a nice, neat document. So it's it's kind of sure. made it easy for both sides, I think, to address some of these concerns. But a lot yeah, of those are I, sincere. And I, and I, so, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, sorry, I'm cutting you off. You keep, you finish your thought. Oh no, that was that was basically it. I was going to say, you know, and they're sincere. And I think uh, one good point here is that, you know, a lot of the church leaders, the men and women, the apostles. Um, you know they're aware of this stuff. So I think it has a place and I think uh, it is important. You know, when you're impressionable, when I was a teenager, it would not have been right for me to dig into this because I didn't even feed on the basics yet. You know, I didn't have a foundation yet. So anyway, yeah, go yeah. ahead. No, yeah, I, I agree 100% with everything you just said. Um, it's it's true there's there really can be a, a dark evil behind a lot of anti-mormon stuff and i think that there's a very good reason for that sometimes and the reason is we have a pretty dang important message i mean we have one that is it's pretty divisive i mean it's a, it's as divisive as the message has ever been you know um that the gospel has been restored that jesus does live and he does speak you know and and that's that's the message and those who reject that, you can only really be lukewarm until you know very much about it, if that makes mm -hmm. sense, in my opinion. Um, but but yeah, I, I'll add a couple thoughts real quick. Um, so that, that talk I mentioned earlier, actually, the I, what was it, Standing for or Stand Forever by uh, Elder Cornbridge. Uh, in, in his talk, he mentions that he, as a member of the 70, was assigned the task of reading through everything ever published or written or said that was anti-Mormon mm. in nature. That was his wow. assignment. And I, I just highly recommend it. He, he gives a very, I think, thorough answer on this question. Um, and and that, that would, it would be very daunting to have to do something like that. But I think that you can find good and you can find bad in just about everything. I genuinely believe that. I think that there are more... At least I like to hope that there are more genuine people out there than it seems there, there are. I think that questions are good to ask, and I think that it's good to research everything that you believe. I think it's very good to be able to back up things with content and consistency. Now, that being said, be careful at what fountain you are drinking from. And uh, make sure that you do have that spirit with you. Because I think the ultimate answer for every question that we'll ever ask is get the spirit. Make sure you have the spirit with you, right? Is church mm -hmm. supposed to be fun? Is it supposed to be entertaining and enjoyable? Well, what's the real purpose? It's, I mean, it's to worship Christ, to worship God, to get the spirit, <laughs> to have it with mm -hmm. us. And if it is with us, we're going to be okay. You know, I, do we believe that the apostles and prophets have the spirit with them? Well, we can find out if you get the spirit from what they say, right? Uh, should members research anti-Mormon stuff or not? Well, um, so long as the Spirit's with you, I think you can't go wrong in, in studying and pondering and praying. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's You're bringing it back to the basics. I, I think uh, some people do not want it to be that simple, you know, or we feel our problems are more complex. But really, man, they are so simple uh, a lot of times. I know that may sound patronizing maybe to some, and that's not what I mean to do. Cause, well, you know, only we all to have... me. Only to me, Mike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How dare he insult the complexity of my problems. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Problems can get, uh, you know, pretty messy and feel like you're, you're in a whirlwind, but um, yeah, it can be really basic. And I think uh, from my own experience, my own testimony, I will say that 
I have had times in my life where I've struggled with some pretty serious questions. And I thought that doctrine, you know, if I ever did struggle with my testimony, would be a doctrinal issue. And I had a lot of doctrinal questions. And I think um, really there was a point in my life when I felt my, my testimony was really wavering, but I wanted it to be strong. And uh, I know a lot of people have been in this boat and it's good that we're addressing, you know, that it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have questions, but how do you address them? And I think you got to have good intentions, seek the spirit, pray for it, you know, seek a testimony, have a desire for it. Um, but man, uh, the most important thing I think that held everything together for me was that I, I read the Book of Mormon every single day. I'm not saying this to brag, but uh, I made a promise to God that I would read it every single day. And uh, that's been crucial for me. I think I would probably not be, uh, you know, spiritually alive as much as I'm right now or uh, maybe have a testimony or, you know, be married to the woman I am if I didn't read the Book of Mormon every day. So that's been a crucial thing for me. And so I have a super strong testimony of it. Love the Book of Mormon. It's like, you know, the rock, uh, biggest testimony of Christ for me in my life. So anyway, kind of going on a tangent there. Whoa. But uh, oh, yeah, just I to, love it. I, I genuinely love those comments and your, your testimony is very sweet. And I think um, just the last couple of words for me, too, is um, with everything that we have said, I think that the best answers, um, especially when you're in matters of relating to God and religion and all those things, are to recognize the same message that the restoration offers is, well, what, what's the source, right? Where, where am I getting this from? Right? And so long as you recognize and learn line upon line, precept upon precept, how to obtain answers for yourself from that divine source, you will not go wrong. Right now, that's the tricky part, which I'm sure we can discuss some other day. But the important part is to learn how to receive revelation from God through doing the same things that you know, we already talked about of gaining and increasing faith and learning how to repent. And I think so long as you do those things, you can have those same experiences that Joseph Smith had and know as surely as he ever did, um, or as Peter or Paul or anyone else in all of Scripture. You can know about anything because the command and opportunity is given to everyone to ask and to knock and it will be open to you uh, that's that's my testimony that uh, the book of mormon is true as well and that through prayer and revelation you can know that for yourself amen brother thanks man so um there we go well i think uh, we'll cap it off there for this episode and i hope you guys have enjoyed it um this is new for us and maybe new for you to be listening to this kind of content or how we're delivering it but uh, uh i like it i think we're both enjoying it and we got a lot of stuff to talk about even during this uh, episode i think we easily could have made it two or three hours without any problem because both of us <laughs> man we love our tangents so <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> maybe a little bit too much. But uh, I don't know if there's a way to contact us or anything, but if you ever have questions you'd like us to discuss, we'd be happy to do so. Yeah, I'll try to get a uh, web web link, a website link going up for the podcast. And there I think you guys will be able to send in your comments. Um, and uh, yeah, this should be coming more available as we develop the podcast a bit more. And so yeah, send us your questions and comments. I'll put that link in the description. And um, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Any anything else to say, Cade? Well, that's it. Thanks for thanks for joining. Hopefully, this has been uh, beneficial for you. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys later.